Thank you, Lord. God is good, isn't he? He's so good, and he has a plan and a purpose for us and for this church and for each and every one of you. God loves you so much. He loves you. And what an amazing time of just worship, worshiping him, being with him. Isn't it good to be with the Lord? We need to be with him more. We just don't realize we don't realize, right? Who's been away from the Lord for some times? It might be some of you. It might just be hours. Some of you, it might be days or weeks or years, but it's always good to come back into his presence, isn't it? Every time that you've been away and then you, you don't realize how much you miss it until you're back in his presence again, right? You don't realize how much you need his word until sometimes you even force yourself to read it because you know that it's, there's life in there, right? You've known enough, there's life in there, and you force yourself to get into it, and then you're so actually overwhelmed by what happens from that, huh? God is good. And I just want to uh, get right into his word, and just uh, Holy Spirit, you anointed, Holy Spirit, you bring it. This is your word. And so, Lord Jesus, we just give it to you again, and we thank you, Lord. You are here, that you are the word. You are living. Thank you, Lord. So be with us today, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our ears to you in Jesus' name. I want you to look with me in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 1. Hebrews 4, verse 1. It says, God's promise of entering His rest. Everybody say, His rest. It says God's promise of entering His rest, everybody say, still stands. That means present tense. It means His rest is available to you right here, right now, this morning. Who would like a little rest from the Lord? Anybody need some rest from the Lord? Anybody tired? Not just physically, but you know... Are we all like the rest of us that spiritually, you know, we are more spirit than flesh. You realize that, right? Your body is like a, a tent, as Paul describes it. You know, it's like a cocoon. It's just a little tiny blip of time that you're inside this body. Your spirit is the real you, which will live for eternity upon eternity, which your mind can't even fathom. We can't even understand that, right? We think of a trillion years, we think of 10 trillion, you're still in time. You have to think eternal, outside of time. It's just beyond us. And so this body is such a short little blip of that eternity. And so it's so much bigger than your physical strain. Although your spirit and your physical, they, they work together, don't they? Who knows when you're stressed out, which is not necessarily anything physical, but somewhere in your soul and in your mind, but your body feels it, right? Come on, the, the nurses and doctors, those that study any type of medicine will tell you what? Stress is the greatest killer, isn't it? Stress puts, the, puts pressure on every single part of your whole entire system. It, it works into every single part of your physical, your mental, and what the medical world doesn't realize is even your spiritual world, your spiritual being. They all interact somehow, right? Your mind is telling, like my mind is telling my hand to move right now. It's not moving because it wants to. I'm telling it. So somehow my physical is, is being uh, uh, reacted by something within chemical, <laughs> mind, soul. I mean, where is that place? You know, what is that place? And so we can be uh, heavy. 
we can be weary, we can be weighed down, and, and, it, and you might be, you know, doing natural things that are heavy and weary as well uh, that can add to it, but really it's our spirit that needs to be at rest. Do you know you could be, you can be, I want you to know this, I think the word is clear about this, and I want to preach about this, that even if your body never had rest, your spirit can still be at rest. Your spirit needs to come to a place of rest. We need to come to a place of settled with God, just a place of rest with God, a place of peace with God. God has offered it to us, and His Word says, come on, do we believe His Word, or do we believe our feelings? Do we believe His Word, or do you believe the way that you feel right now? We need to believe his word. And his word says that God's promise, does God break his promises? Come on, we just prayed some of that out during worship. God doesn't break his promise. God keeps his promises. What God promises, he will do. The thing is, in our natural world, in our natural time, it's not necessarily the way that you expected or in the time frame that you expected, but God does it, doesn't he? Who actually turns around in your life and sees a promise that God did that you forgot that you asked about? Has anybody prayed and prayed and prayed and you got so wearied in praying that you just forgot about it? And one day you turn around and go, wow, God, not only did you answer that prayer, but it's so much bigger and greater than I could have even prayed for. Come on, God is a promise-keeping God, and He wants His people in a place of rest, He doesn't want his people to be restless, and he doesn't want his people to be idle, but he wants his people to be in a place of rest. It can only be biblically defined. I can't go to the Webster's Dictionary and look up the word rest and preach that to you today, because that's not what God's Word is talking about. We actually read about God's servants, right, uh, in the New Testament that worked tirelessly for the Lord. Look at Paul. Look at his life. He even recounts all of the things that happened to him. I've been shipwrecked. I was beaten. I've been abused. I've been used. I've been left. I've been abandoned, etc., etc., etc. And yet he walked in such a place of peace and rest with God, didn't he? It's very clear by his words by his actions, right? And we've, I looked at that in, in a sermon some time ago that <laughs> right after being beaten, just like all of us would do, right? Right, we're persecuted, we're beaten, we're put in prison for the Lord. And what's the first thing you want to do, right? Sing a song to the Lord and just praise him and thank him for his goodness, right? That's what we all would do. So he found a place of peace and he found a place of rest that is beyond the natural, beyond the human being, beyond your, your human mind, beyond your human soul, that part of you. It's so much bigger and greater. And it says, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. We want to experience it. And in fact, he's writing that I'm afraid that some of you won't. It says in verse three, for only we who believe can enter his rest. It says in the NLT. You may know it as it says the gospel, which is the what? The gospel of peace. It's a gospel of rest. It's a gospel of peace. Only we who believe can enter his rest. When we're out of rest, 
all that it means is we don't believe God. It is so simple. It's a simple, simple, simple gospel. I'm not saying I've got this figured out and I'm talking to you today. I even, sometimes I preach what the Lord gives me, whether I've got to figure it figured out or not. And sometimes I'm determined to really have a grasp on it, to preach it so that I'm not preaching like a hypocrite. But honestly, I'm still trying to figure that out to try to get into his rest. I know that it's attainable and I know it's the place he wants us to be in. And I know that all of us have experienced levels of it, but I know that I know even greater than that knowing is that there's a greater rest that I and us here need to get into in the Lord. There's a greater rest. And honestly, it just comes down to believing God. I think a lot of the confusion, a lot that keeps us out of rest is that we look to our left and our right. Remember what the Lord told Joshua, don't do that. And you know what happens when you look to your left and your right? What do we do? Well, they don't have that problem and they don't have that problem and they've got this right and they've got that right. You know, how many times, right, have you been going through a crisis and I, this is so sad and I didn't even plan on bringing this up, but this is definitely the Holy Spirit. You've been going through a crisis and another loving believer comes alongside you and in a loving, sweet voice tells you why you're in the trouble you're in. Like a formula. The first thing they say is, you know, have you been tithing? Right, who's been there? Anybody been there? I'm not saying, I just testified a couple weeks ago that the word tells us to, we should be. But it's not necessarily just black and white like it's a formula. Every single life is an individual. You know, just like snowflakes, there's no people that are the same. There's a lot of similarities. What do they call that? Your twin that's not your twin? Doppelganger, is that right? Yeah, doppelganger. I mean, that's fun, but they're not your twin. Even twins, biological twins, right, are not the same person. You need to know that your life is your life. I think if, as Christians, if we settled that, we would be at so much more peace. I think we'd have so much more rest if we weren't trying to get to some place, right? We're trying to attain to some sort of a place that we're actually using this world and as Christians, other believers' worlds to try to create some sort of a reality that we think we should attain to. And in the time frame, right? Who's ever heard, you know, there's, there's sermons about Job, right? Who loves Job? Anybody love reading the book of Job? It's the heaviest book in the whole Bible, but it is in our Bible. But when I was growing up, there was these teachings that told us how long it lasted. Anybody read the book of Job from chapter, I mean, from beginning to end? Here, I mean, it's a little repetitious. But if you've read it, has anybody seen a time frame in that book? I haven't. They started coming up with these teachings that it only lasted nine months. And they had all these philosophical, sophisticated reasons why. Which it never ever says how long it lasted. We have no idea. All of that could have been days, it could have been months, it could have been years. We don't know. All we know is that he went through some things and had to keep trusting God anyway, refused to curse God even though he didn't understand and neither did anyone else around him, right? And then God, 
uses his life, come on, restores his life, gives him double what he lost, even though, you know, our human minds can't compute loss. We just, all we do though is we go, but Lord, the loss, the loss, the loss, that what we lost, what we've wasted. And we need to just, I just really feel from the Holy Spirit today to stop looking to the left, to the right, stop comparing, and that, that he really wants to get us into this place of just resting in him and trusting in him. I feel from the Holy Spirit today to tell you this, that there is no time frame in God. Did you know that God, this is actually, I was just in the back look, reviewing my notes and I said, okay, Lord, so, you know, this is what I believe you have for me to preach today. And it just came to me like just out of nowhere and I know it's the Holy Spirit. He said, God's not in a rush, so why are you? You realize God is not in a rush? God is patient. Come on, how many times are we reading this word that he is patient? Who has experienced that God's not in a rush in your life? Aren't you glad God is not in a rush, not in a rush in your life? What if he was in a rush and you were in the middle of your sin that you hadn't repented of yet, that he was trying to get grace to you, and you were so stubborn you wouldn't listen to his grace, but finally the grace of God got to you, right? And you received it, and you said, thank you, Lord Jesus, I received that grace. Imagine God was in a rush. We get this rush mentality, though, from this world. It's not from God. It's not from him. And the devil, he loves us to be rushing around because you know what that does? It puts us in distress mode. And again, I don't know how it all works, and I'm not here to, as your science teacher to tell you how it works, but somehow, can we just agree that somehow your soul, your body, and your mind all intermingle and work together? Who is less spiritual when you are physically tired? Is anybody here less spiritual? I just had that back spasm. Some of you are aware. Some of you didn't even know I had it. And Dawn was on the couch behind me. I'm laying on my back. And I said, you need to get up right now and help me up because I was stuck and I was in, in intense pain. And she's like, excuse me, because I, I yelled it and had, I had zero grace. There was, I, was, I said it with an attitude. I did not say any. There was zero love in it. And I said to her, though, she realized, how, she realized what was happening after this line. I said, don't you dare judge me. You have no idea how much pain I'm in right now. And then she got up and she helped me and realized that I was like, I was in, it was, this was not, that wasn't me, man. <laughs> She's not responding, you know, a normal circumstance, no bueno. In this case, she saw, okay, this is, I'm fleshing out here. And so your soul and your body and your mind and your spirit, they all, and, and you know what? We need to be spiritually uh, active on this earth and spiritually productive on this earth. And if the devil can get you in a rat race, see, mature believers, I'm talking to mature believers here, as you really start seeking the Lord and wanting God, it's a different sermon for you than a different church. And, and again, we're not looking to the left or right. This is not greater or lesser, but this is what mature believers need to hear. The devil can't get you into blatant sin as easily. 
So what he tries to do is get you to be a good Christian. I know that that sounds like, wait, what? You want to be such a super Christian that we get into this striving. We get into a rat race, running, 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 running to accomplish, to be. And we don't realize that we just took the world's motto and brought it into our Christianity, into the kingdom of God. And that's why he's trying to get you moving so fast, moving so quickly, doing so much, trying to accomplish. But do you have to realize that you have zero goals on this earth, except one, as I've been preaching about recently, which is just to please the Lord. You realize any other goal is totally secondary. And in most cases, you're going to be shocked by this in heaven, but irrelevant. So many of the things I think that we're so proud about on this earth, when we get to heaven, we're going to be shocked. We're either irrelevant and even worse, we're actually a total waste of our time. He said, verse 9, everybody read this with me, there is a special rest. The Bible tells us that there's a special rest for his believers, for his people. There is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. And we know that what's Hebrews? Hebrews is actually alluding to all the types and shadows of the Old Testament pointing to Christ, right? That, that they tried to do it in the natural and there was a physical place called Canaan, right? That they made Israel, okay? So Hebrews is pointing to that and, and saying that there is, there's, a, there's a rest still waiting for you in the sense that it's not on this earth, it's not human, it's nothing that you can cross into on this earth. You can't cross you can go find a local river and it's called Jordan and cross it and you have not entered the promised land. But that the promise is only in Jesus, that it's waiting because it's only in Christ. It's only in really the, just as they had to die in the wilderness, only in your death, the death of humanity, the death of flesh, the death of what, of this and all the things that weigh it down and all the trials and all the troubles and all of that and living with Christ. That's truly the rest. And yet, somehow, we must find it on this earth. How do we do that? Even though you can't fully have it you can't fully experience heaven. And Christians, and I mentioned this some, some weeks or months ago, Christians actually can get off when they try to bring too much of heaven down and they actually get into vacation mode. So I want to caution you. I don't want you to try to get into, you think rest is sipping coffee on your back porch. Again, that's, that is not the rest I'm talking about. As if like, I, I found, I'm in rest, I'm resting in God, I'm, it's all good, baby. Because it's not all good. Because you still have an enemy. You still have this world around you. There's still going to be suffering. The, the stuff around is not going to disappear. It's a, it's a state. I hate to say it like a state of mind, like I'm talking to you from the world. But that's really what it comes down to. 
it's going to be a state of mind where you're going to decide, I'm going to stay restful. I'm going to stay at rest. No, actually, I don't have time to drink that coffee on my back porch today. And, and, and life is not going to let me. And it has nothing to do with me working or striving. There's a crisis that I can't avoid. And I have to be a part of it. And so I have to choose a rest inside me, not around me. It's making any sense to anybody today. So he said, there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Verse 10, for all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. Everybody say rested from their labors. Just as God did after creating the world. Even God rested. Even God took a place of rest. Aren't we glad though that God's rest is not idle? Come on, it says on the seventh day that God rested from his labors. And yet when we pray, we believe that Jesus is going to move on our behalf, that he's going to tell the angels to go and do this, and that he's going to change hearts, and that he's going to give us the needs that we have, etc. right? So God's rest is not idle. Everybody say God's rest is not idle. So our rest that we have from God is not idle either. And it's so important that we get this because I'm telling you, the devil will try to get you in a place of either a false rest, which is idleness, or get you restless. And neither of them is in rest. Both will be the attack that he'll try to go for the believer. Idleness, and who has seen that, right? Without judging, we're not going to start listing the names of the people you know. Let's just keep that in your heart. But you have looked, and it should, again, I always say this when I say these words, it should never be any pride, it should break your heart. But who has looked at another believer and says, that's an idle believer? And then also you've looked and said, that's a restless believer. Or in your own heart, I'm idle right now. I'm restless right now. We need to come into this middle ground place. There's a place of rest in him. And it says, verse 11, let us do our best. Now, I thought this was so ironic. This was what the Lord said to me when I began to sit down and just seek him. He said, strive, don't strive. And that was confusing to me, enough for me to go and search out what God wanted to say. Strive, don't strive. Well, that's interesting because if you start to look at this verse, I think you'll get it. It says, let us do our best. Everybody say, do our best. Do you know what your best is? This is not rocket science. Your best is your best. Your best is not your mediocre. Your best is not your, you know, half and half. Your best is your best. And that's what the verse means. Let us do our best. Uh, the New King James says, let us be diligent. The English Standard Version, and this was what the Lord wanted me to get, it says, let us strive. <laughs> do our best. Be diligent. Strive. In fact, the word here means that we're reading as our best and diligent it actually means, in the Greek, to make effort, but specifically to use speed. Now, this is interesting because I just talk, started talking to us about the rat race, right? 
the wheel. Don't be the hamster on the wheel. You think you're getting somewhere, but you're getting nowhere. Who has run, 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 and realized, wow, that was a total waste of time. And then you did find that place in God and God did something very quickly in your life that you tried doing in all of your strength. He did it so quick in his way, in his time, right? Who's been there? All right, so I want you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being careful to explain this because I think the Lord's got something to say to us, but I don't want us to miss, I don't want us to, to miss what God's trying to speak to us. There's a haste in the sense of like, haste to get into this place. Don't haste to go and do, but make, if there's, if you want to make haste, if you want to be quick about something, be quick about stop striving. Be quick to stop being quick. <laughs> Your minds are going, whoa. Be quick to stop running. Run from running. Are we making any sense? If you want to be quick about something, if you want to use your diligence for something, don't give it to, the, to your own efforts and to your own strength and to this world, but be quick to give it to the Lord. Be diligent. Don't be diligent to try to do it. Be diligent to ask the Lord to help you. Be diligent. Be quick to say, not, how can I do this? Lord, what are you going to do? What do you want me to do? How are you going to do it? And I'm going to rest in the meantime. The word means to make effort. It means be prompt or, or uh, earnest. Diligence, as we saw, endeavor. And it actually even means on the other side of the word, like all words mean, right? Words having depths of meaning and multiple meanings. It means to labor and to study. And I thought that was very interesting because we're reading in Hebrews 4, and who knows the next verse, which we're not going to preach on today, in verse 12, talks about the Word and what it does inside of us, right? So that's another sermon. But that was interesting that he's prepping us to be diligent, to enter a rest, and which means to also not just to be quick to get into that place in God, but also what is that place in God? It's through His Word, right? It is through His Word. It's really in His Word, because if you're going to be in Christ, you're in His Word. They're not separable. God's word is Christ, and Christ is God's word. The Bible tells us clearly, right, Jesus stepped into the flesh, right, and then they penned it down, right? When we read the word, we are receiving Christ, his revelation, his love, his grace, his compassion, things you never had before, and they come through your time in the word, right? And who has experienced that? So if you want to be quick about something, be quick to spend time in his word, be quick to study. If you want diligent, put your diligence towards this world aside and spend more time being diligent in his word. It even means to exert one's self. Now, this is really funny. So let's get this picture, right, church? Because remember, God's kingdom is not like this earth. God's ways are not like ours. We need to look at God not like he's our homeboy, right? Not like he's our human father, but we need to look at him like he is, as God, as God the Father, all right? And so his ways are not our ways. So his word, sometimes people pick it apart like it's contradictory and that it opposes itself, but it's because you have to look at his word with different eyes, eyes to see. Remember, Jesus walked on the earth in the flesh and even healed and miraculous and raised Lazarus from the dead. And you know what the response was? Let's kill him. 
And in fact, we better kill Lazarus too because, you know, he's the sign that Jesus healed him, raised him from the dead. Isn't that incredible? So it's different eyes to see. I mean, they had the human eye. We're talking about seeing in, in, in our spirit and looking differently. They literally looked with their human eyes and still didn't get him. So it is spiritually perceived. So when you hear these words, it might not make sense to your human mind. It's your spirit that needs to hear it. So we get that. Amen. So this is ironic. It says, if we take the Thayer Greek definition, which means to exert oneself, exert oneself to enter rest. <laughs> is that ironic? Strive to not strive. You need to strive to not strive. And let me just make it really Sunday school for you, like for children here, right? Don't give your effort to this world. Give your effort to the Lord. Simple. And then, you ready? And then don't say, okay, now let me continue giving my effort to this world. Somehow, and people will look at you, they'll judge you, they will not understand your life. I mean, who has experienced this? Well, stop trying to make us cookie cutter and that we're all the same. Because it's not going to work when God's doing something in your life and working in you and trying to get you somewhere and use you for something, your life is your life. You are not like anyone else. It is just you. And you, and you need to know, you know what? I've done all that I could do to give this to the Lord. I don't know how to give it to the Lord anymore. I just don't know how. And at that place, no matter what anyone says, they could think you need to do this and you need to do that and you shouldn't have done this and you shouldn't have done it. You need to just push all of that junk right off the cliff. Just take a bulldozer and just bulldoze all those opinions like Job's opinions and just bulldoze them off the cliff and say, you know what? I don't care. I'm, it's going to be me and him at the great white throne of judgment. And that's great that you have an opinion. Keep it to yourself because this is my life. And now listen, if someone's saying like, hey, you're sleeping with your boyfriend and you know, there's a good chance that maybe you're not quite saved or you need to deal with that or get married or break up with this person because you're in sin and, and you just say you know, some obscenities to them, then that's a different story. But if you have done everything that you can do, because what else can we do, right? We no, can't use our human strength. If we have given it to the Lord, we said, Lord, it's yours, and we're, we're making the effort to rest in him, then don't try to do anything else. You need to just rest in that place. Just stay in that place. Amen. Is that helping anybody here today? Again, I have to say it again because the Holy Spirit's prompting me. You will get opinions. You will get accusations. People will judge you. They won't understand you. That is unfortunate, but it is a reality. And you need to just come to terms with it now so when it happens, you're okay. You just stay at peace in him. Come on. The devil's just trying to rob our peace, rob our joy. He's trying to take our joy and trying to take our peace because when we're, when we're lacking peace, when we lack joy, we're not very effective believers, are we? 
So he's trying to get you out of that rest because then we get into that place of restlessness, which is not effective for the kingdom, or we go the other way and we just get totally idle. I just don't, you know what? It's actually better off. And who has heard Christians say this? I'm actually better off not praying and not reading because when I pray and when I read this word, I feel like that's when everything bad happens. Has anybody ever heard a Christian say that? Or maybe you've said it in your own heart. Of course that's when it happens because the devil says, hey, this person's trying to enter into the Lord. They're trying to get some things right and God's, his blessing's gonna pour on them and he's gonna give them everything and they're gonna be in eternity with him and their family's gonna see what's happening. They're gonna get saved. So he's gonna come like a whirlwind and a tornado and like a flood and every other natural disaster against your life to try to stop you. If you're out in, the, in that restlessness place, it'll just leave you alone actually. He loves the super Christians. I'm not talking about people who are seeking the Lord, super Christians. I mean the people that are doing, 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 but they're too busy to spend time with the Lord because they're doing for the Lord. Anybody ever been there or seen that? If we skip out on spending time with him, if we skip out on his word and spending time in his presence, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, if you skip that time, you are just asking for chaos. You know what you'll have? You ever been inside of a storm? Temporarily, you'll feel like you got away with it. It's all good. See, I could skip spending time with him and it's fine. And you ever been inside of a storm? It's called the eye of the storm. Anybody ever been in one, right? You look up, it's blue sky. If you actually looked at the weather map, which you can't see with your human eyes, you're just in the center of it, which is always like that. This side storm, that side storm, this side storm, and what's coming towards you is storm. The only way you're going to weather that storm is if you get into the Lord. Well, I had so much more. I had a whole second, I had a really big part that I wanted to get this to, and we used a lot of time quickly. Wow. Are we okay for a few minutes? Everybody all right? Wow. I'm sorry about that. The Lord had a lot to say that I didn't plan on, and that thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. Thank you, Lord God. The English Standard Version of this says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fail by the same sort of disobedience. And he was talking about the disobedience of not believing in God, unbelief. How do we not fail? It actually says if you will strive to get into that place of rest in God, it will keep you from failing. If you try to not fail, what happens? You fail. But if you get into that place of God where there is no failure, I know that this, you're saying, wait, what? In God, there is no failure. In God, there's no loss. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If you are truly in that place, and again, the world may say, wow, I don't think so. And TJ didn't even know it. TJ came today and he's like, hey, and Lena said he never remembers. He always reads something good and hears a good saying and says it was good, but I don't remember what it was. So now I know it was the Holy Spirit because she made a point to say he actually remembered exactly what it says. And he said, popcorn kernels all are heated at the same exact temperature for the same amount of time. 
and yet they all pop at different times. Which is so interesting, right? It's the same kernel, same time, same heat. But, you know, the place that God's getting them to is going to be different. He's getting all of us to different places. We all have different baggage, and we have different people to reach. Some of them are stubborn. He added at the end just his own little thing. Some of them burn and never pop. (laughs) Which is true. That's not us, though, is it? Because we're not stubborn. Okay, Lord, it took me a long... I'm the last one to pop, but I'm popping. I'm not going to stay hard. My hardness is going to be turned to softness now, Lord. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. There's such a place of rest that God has for us. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, take us into that place. Let's just pray together for a minute. Let's just pray. Let's all just bow our heads. And Lord Jesus, we can't do it. We can't do it, Lord. We're either restless or idle. We can't seem to find that place, Lord God, where we just rest in you and we trust you And we say, Lord, it's going to be okay, even though it's not okay in the natural. But Lord, we have to know that we know that we know that you are going to do something, that eventually that kernel is going to pop. Eventually, Lord, because we believe your word and we don't believe circumstances. We believe your word. We don't believe the way we feel. We don't believe anything else but your word. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it sounds like, no matter how crazy it is to this world and even on even other believers, Lord, we're going to hold on to what your word says until the very end. And I thank you, Lord, that we will not fail, that there is no failing if we hold on to your word. We could lose everything in this natural world, Lord, but your word says it's the soul that we need to care about. We could strive for this world, but lose our own soul. So, Lord, we're not going to do that. But Lord, we're going to trust you for the saving of our souls. We're going to be diligent, Lord God, in the things that matter. That's the rest. We're going to strive, Lord, in our prayer time with you. We're going to strive, Lord, because we have to make that choice. You have to make that effort. You have to or you won't do it to get into that time with him and to pray and to spend that time with him in his word and with other believers. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, even though to the world that looks like striving. (laughs) Lord, we're coming into a place of rest. They don't even realize, Lord, in their facade of rest while they're watching sports on a Sunday, Lord, and we're striving to go to church, Lord, we've actually entered real rest in the spirit while their souls are restless, but the enemy's got them trapped in a facade, an eye of a storm, and the storm is coming And it will hit, even us, it will hit us as well. But Lord, when it hits us, we'll be secure because our foundation is on the rock and not on sand like theirs. 
So we thank you, Lord Jesus. We found ourselves. We take the time. It takes effort. And we just build, Lord, in your word. Lord, we build up this spirit man and not the flesh man. We push aside all of the other stuff, Lord God, and we make the effort. We strive to get into that place, Lord, where we can rest in you, where no matter what comes, no matter what it looks like, no matter what anyone says, Lord Jesus, we know that we're in you and that we're trusting in you and that you're going to lead us, Lord God, right to the very end because you're faithful. You never leave us. You never forsake us. We thank you, Lord, for your plan and your purpose, and it will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.